0: Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget there is also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is to the third. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. I am joined today by Florence and Elizabeth. Emily is coming and she'll join us a little bit later, but we are discussing one of the closest topics to my heart today, education for children who are differently cha- uh, challenged or differently talented, or others could say differently gifted. So these ladies come from all walks of life, and I would like to give them just a moment to give two, three sentences of who they are and how special education connects to them personally. Florence, welcome. Thank you. Tehubo. Um, it's my
1: pleasure to join this uh, discussion, this conversation this evening. Yes. My name is Florence Chawelo and I'm from Zambia. Special education resonates very well with me because of the work uh, that I've been doing over the years. And, uh, some of that work uh, is to help the disadvantaged in our communities. About five or seven, I think seven years ago, I came across a lot of, um, uh, because of my work, a lot of children uh, with uh, that are exceptional. So it, 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 it's something, I've, I'm not working anymore in that particular space, but it's something that has touched my heart. And I actually decided to go to school Um, to do another undergraduate degree in special ed education so that um, I could be of more benefit. So that is how I am so
0: attached to special education. Thank you so much for that. I like that you said so that I can be of more benefit. That is so selfless. That really just stood out for me miss elizabeth please if you can just give us a little bit about who you are how does special education connect to you and what your role in it is
2: thank you for giving me this opportunity um to be on this program i'm so excited because uh it's uh special education is something uh which is um uh i think part of me i consider it to be part of my life so i'm a i'm a specialist teacher always trained as a special needs teacher. And um, I'm currently working with children with different disabilities, which uh, are uh, intellectual disability, uh, visually impaired, uh, hearing impaired, Down syndrome, and also children with cerebral palsy, just to mention a few. So for the past uh, 12 years, I've been working with children with different uh, condition, both in the Ministry of Education and also uh, at a private school. I actually, I ended up opening my own school just to cater for children with um, uh, challenged areas, so to say, because I believe they have a lot of potential to to succeed in society. Uh, I'm glad to say that uh, multi-sensory school where I'm coming from, we are able to cater for children who are typical and those with special needs. So it's an inclusive school actually. Yeah. So it's a special education. It's something which comes from really my heart.
0: You know, I think the both of you are just what we need in society who see that there's more potential in differently abled children and who can identify that there's stuff that can be done with them and there's stuff that they can do. And you are creating those opportunities. I'm touched by the school. So we'll get into that a bit more to find out what exactly it is that you do. How can you identify that a child is differently gifted or is in need of specialized education? Now, I'm talking about a child who uh, is not easily noticeable because I think Children who are blind, visually impaired, that is obvious, you know, and they can be observed in their infant years. But what about those who are, you know, typically appearing, but there's things that are happening that people are not aware of? Miss Florence, how have you done it in the past? Or have you had an opportunity to be the person who says, hey, I've observed this? And I think this is what is happening. What are the things that, let's say, a listener is a parent can look out for to say, okay, my child might just have some special needs?
1: I think there are many um, ways of um, um, identifying uh, that a child is exceptional. The first one, which is the easiest, is through observation. And this is not only, I think this cannot only be done by, uh, for example, specialists, uh, but also parents who, when a child is born, for example, um, maybe at the age of three going onwards, they are able to notice that um, the child is not uh, a, a child that is average in terms of the things that children do. So at the developmental stages, So the parent will be able to observe that this child could have a problem. Uh, The other way is when the child is being taken, for example, for under five clinic, the doctors may be able to identify or notice certain traits uh, in the child. But for those children that are of um, preschool going age and also primary scholars, it is the teachers that are able to observe The child, um, that the child is not an average child. When we say an average child, it means either the child is below average or the child is above average. So those are what we call the exceptional children. Now, besides observation, there are other ways of assessing um, the child. So it's called assessments. And there are different batteries that are used to assess the child, meaning there are different ways of assessing. You can use questionnaires. You can use um, uh, certain tests. You can use IQ tests. But for IQ tests, I think in Africa now, we have an argument. And the argument is that the tests that are, uh, are being administered to the children in Africa are biased to those that are in Europe. So we are working on ensuring that we have our own a kind of batteries, and I think for Zambia, for example, at the University of Zambia, there's a battery that uh, has been um, uh, put in place that uh, has been tested. I think for about five years now, and I think another one also. So maybe just to elaborate a bit on on those these assessment tests. For example, if you ask a child in Zambia um, if they are able to um swim for example and they're from southern province or um which province maybe a province that has no water they will they'll obviously fail uh to um to you know communicate or to connect with water but if you also ask a child in europe if they are able to make a fire it will be very difficult for them so those are the things that um, we use uh, the assessment tests, the batteries, the observation to try and see if a child is average, uh, sorry if a child is below average or is above average.
0: You know, if someone doesn't know, you can you can tell that there's some experience in the way that you're speaking. What is the biggest biggest challenge, Miss Elizabeth? that you have noticed with people, especially in Zambia, who have children who are different, especially in the homes?
2: The biggest challenge is to to help parents to understand the children or to accept acceptance, both for parents and also for individuals who have have, uh, um, maybe learning disabilities or any condition. The the fact that parents cannot accept that my child is in this state, it makes it more difficult for the child to understand uh, themselves. And it also makes it difficult for us teachers to implement what it's supposed to be implemented. Because you try to implement certain strategies to control behavior or strategies to control uh, social skills, strategies which can help the child acquire speech then the parent says, why are you doing this? My child is not in this category. So it has made us specialists to have uh, challenges on how best we can help uh, uh, children who are, who, are, who are challenged. And also, even when you give them a referral, like um, Ms. Florence has mentioned about the Invest of Zambia. It's one of the place where we refer our children for further assessment. But it is very difficult if parents haven't accepted to say their child has a challenge and they need more investigations, more diagnosis, so that we know what is the right um, uh, the right things to do with them. So it, uh, it, it has even brought kind of a breach in terms of what academic things they can do. Um, uh, Lack of acceptance makes parents to have a vision to say, okay, my child, I want my child to be a lawyer. I want my child to be a doctor. But here is a child who has some intellectual challenges and they cannot process a lot of information. Here is a child who is a slow learner. Here is a child who cannot do mathematics. The child who is uh, lacking skills in language. They're not competent in terms of academic skills but they can learn maybe uh, pathway skills and the parents want the other direction. So this puts the children to be in a dilemma of excelling to their potential because the, the parents' potential, it's not the child's potential. So those are the challenges which we have faced as a school.
0: Do you think they may be thinking somehow, or there's this thought of reflection that the, the parents feel that their children having special needs is a reflection on what they could control and they couldn't, or that is why they, that is why they can't accept it as easily. Where do you think it stems from?
2: I think some, sometimes or many times parents would think it's just uh, a phase. Maybe the child would outgrow it. And then in the time of waiting to say the child is going to outgrow in this uh, behavior or in this situation, uh, years are passing by, but the cognitive is not developing together with the physical development, we'll find that uh, most parents, uh, the denial takes time for them to realize to say, okay, the child needs this help. By the time it's coming, they come to realize that, oh, my child needs this help. Maybe the child will be already 13 years old. The child will be 12 years old. Wallace, the cognitive development is at five years old. Uh, Miss Florence mentioned about an average child. Uh, uh, we have come up with a program on how we can help even uh, t- other teachers to know the development milestones of an average child. And if we spot something which is unusual, uh, earlier the beta, where we say early interventions are better than never, so that we talk to the parents, we see the lead frauds. They may not be permanent, but if identified earlier, they can be worked on. So that has been quite helpful. And also I think awareness has also been uh, quite up doing awareness programs, where parents are sensitized to say if a child has a condition, doesn't mean they have a disease.
0: Sorry, I wanted to actually just ask that, and maybe Ms. Florence can jump into that. How well informed are parents? Are they aware of these different conditions? Because I know for sure that in Africa, or as as, as an African child growing up, Things like um ADHD were not spoken about. In fact, I don't know that my parents knew about that or they knew what it was. Or things like um autism, they didn't know um what well, autism it is. is. It was just, oh, this one um excuse me, uh, is crazy. Oh, that was just putting a a person in a box and they they t- they, t- 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 they, they don't really have the information and so. It becomes a communal understanding that, oh, just crazy, or they're just different. There's something wrong, but like it's just enough, or it just ends at, oh, there's something wrong. Miss Florence, you have worked in communities. What have you picked up, and are, are people informed? Do they even know what they're dealing with? Not just um, not just uh, maybe the, the the nuclear family, the relatives, the the community. Are we are we are we aware of what could and could not be a, a, a special needs child? Especially if you can just you can't just look at them and see it.
1: Yeah, thank you and thank you, Elizabeth, for uh, the insights. It's a egg and chicken situation, especially for Africa. Um, I say that because in the urban areas, uh, like Elizabeth has stated, a lot of awareness has really taken place. Different sectors, the, the health sector, the uh, education sector, the social services sectors have done, I think, quite a lot of work, including organizations that deal with these issues in terms of you know, raising awareness on radio, on television, ngos that are involved are going to communities carrying out road chores, and so on and so forth um, churches uh, meaning faith-based organizations have also done quite a lot of work but when it comes to our rural areas i think we have a huge gap um yes um our parents i think our generation didn't know much and so It is the same now with parents that especially live in disadvantaged communities and rural communities, uh, because number one, in the rural areas, children may not enroll for school on time, or they will not be in school altogether, which means that uh, teachers who usually help in identifying and assessing these children will not have the opportunity to see that child so the parent will see certain behaviors that are not um, normal so to speak for example a child uh, is antisocial or their social skills are not good they are always fighting they are always you know running in the house breaking things and doing those things that an average child would not do so they will think that child is very naughty they will beat them beat the child give them corporal punishment We've heard of situations where a child is tied to a tree, and when you take them um, to the hospital or you take them for assessment, you find that the child just has, uh, is just hyperactive. So those are some of the things that are really uh, we need to work on. In, in, in schools, for example, the child may be given homework, they go home, the child either does, can't um, assimilate uh, arithmetic, they can't write, they can't communicate, they are slow in speech, so the parents are frustrated, they don't know what's happening, they sometimes say it's witchcraft and all those things. So we still have a long way to go. However, we've made a lot of inroads in terms of community awareness, um, but we still need to do a lot of work.
0: Miss Emily, I'm just gonna jump to you. Welcome. I know. Yeah. A few things have been mm-hmm. mentioned. I think you have been listening to some of them. How does how, how does it play out as a parent? If you don't mind sharing with us and, and if you can tell us what it is exactly that um, the condition of your child and just a little bit about your journey. How have you been affected or, or, or involved in the whole journey?
3: Well, my son, Andre, was uh, born very prematurely uh, due to a condition that I didn't know I had at the time. It's called cervical incompetence, where basically your womb can't carry a child for, your cervix is not strong enough to carry a child for, you know, up to term. So he was born around six months and maybe six months and two to three weeks. So basically what that meant was that by the time he was born he was not fully developed enough uh, to be able to well basically he had something called oxygen deprivation to the brain. So it means he didn't get enough oxygen when he was born and because of that what we didn't know at the time that he would you know basically have special needs. And at the time he was born in around 2011 it wasn't really out there, you know, the doctors weren't telling you, or oh, because of how your child is has been born, he won't, um, he won't basically be like other children. So we, we basically went about our lives and by the time he was one and a half, we started to notice that he wasn't hitting the milestones that he was supposed to hit or rather that other children were uh, hitting. Now, because of, you know, when you're reading all these parenting books, you're reading all these books about, you know, how best to raise your children and everything. They always tell you, no, don't compare your children to other people's children because their development is different. So I was thinking that, you know, maybe he's just developing slowly, but eventually with home training, we managed to get him to walk. But then we noticed that when he was supposed to start speaking, he hit two years old and he wasn't speaking. So at first, before he turned one, He could, of course, mumble something like I think he would say one, two, three. And then by the time he turned two, he had completely lost that sense of speech. And um, of course, the first thing that Africans go to is witchcraft. People just say it's witchcraft. It was a witch hunt, basically. And when you have nothing to no alternative, rather, you let people help you with their solutions, (laughs) even though those solutions are unorthodox. So we went through that phase. And then finally, when he wasn't hitting his milestones at four, we decided to take him to UTH basically. So UTH, it was a matter of from the period of four to now, we have a, the diagnosis that they give us is a suspicion of autism, but it's never a clear diagnosis of autism because he has a sensory processing disorder. He has ADHD. He basically has issues gripping uh, objects, so he's got some physical issues as well. Though his his problem-solving skills are very good, and he doesn't have speech basically, so he's a non-speaking autistic person. He's yes. So with all those things, it had you know it had also baffled the doctors because on top of it, when he turned about four and a half, he started getting seizures. And we didn't know that seizures actually also were a part of the oxygen deprivation to the brain and the autism, because it turns out that some autistic children get seizures. After that, we went a long time. He couldn't just be at home, basically. We wanted him to be able to grow and develop. Of course, we knew he wouldn't, grow and develop like other children but we wanted to get it to as best as we possibly can for him to at least get to a place where he can help himself yeah so what had happened was we were in these schools these expensive schools and we take him to this school and it has all these you know you think that for the price it's going to cover everything (laughs) but unfortunately it was a situation whereby they were not specialized most schools are not specialized for autism Most of them have mixed children with different disabilities, so they weren't able to pay attention to his particular needs. So we ended up having a long time where we were spending money and we weren't seeing much of a change. So we had to take him out of school because it was way too expensive for us. We tried um, government schools. They didn't have the facilities for autism because they usually have sign language um mm-hmm. for of course deaf children you have div- the the ones they call the usual disabilities uh mm-hmm. so his disabilities weren't really catered for and i once again we had to take him out of school so we found uh, a school finally where they had experience with his uh condition and Once we had that school, unfortunately we hit bumps with funding and because you have to choose now between his medicines and his funding. And how I wish we had government schools. My gripe with how it's going right now is that we don't have public schools where we can just take our children and they can learn and they can be helped and taught. We, it's so hard to get into let's say to get him to the Chinama school or the Unza school. And if it's the Chinama school, it's mixed. So they won't really still pay attention to him. There's another school called Kapiliomba, which is also a private, uh, a, a public school. With Kapiliomba, of course, they have other special needs, but then his special needs are not catered for. So for me, I feel like the condition of autism is, yes, it's an unknown, in our country. But I feel like people should pay more attention to it because there are actually more children who have this condition compared to like, you know, how people think about it. People will think it's just madness, take him to Chinama, you know, or take him to uh, a home. And I love my child, I can't have him in a home, he's mine. But yeah, that's, as a parent, our biggest struggle is one, the finances. Financing is so hard for children with special needs like autism and another issue that we have is uh, just the lack of schools and the lack of teachers, the lack of specialists. We have to basically move heaven and earth to find that for our children and it's so emotionally ta- taxing it's, it's financially taxing and I think on the child as well because he feels left out usually he sees other children going to school you know you can't put him in a normal school because my child was bullied severely when I tried to put him in a normal school that's when I didn't understand what he was going through so just those you know how expensive it is the how We don't have specialization on on these issues and how difficult it is just to find a school for these children. It's just uh, really frustrating for us parents, but we make do with what we have. And we are like, I am grateful for the services that we actually do have for our children, but I feel like we really need more. I think we just need more.
0: you know, as you were speaking, I um, before you came in, I, I I just said that I'm also a teacher and I have the, the blessing to be working in a school that, you know, brings parents who can afford that unaffordable, but like you said, it, it puts then everybody else, which is usually the majority of the everyday person, me and you included, um, very far from resources, because the ones that are there, they are quite expensive. And the, the nine to five uh, dad, nine to five mom can't really afford such expenses. And it's such so heartbreaking to hear that, you know, you, you reach a point where you have to choose now, is it his medicine or his schooling? That is such a hard decision to have to to, to make and I, you know my heart just goes out to you um, and this I believe conversations like these are what will also propel the wheel to move forward a bit faster and it's my hope that more people will get to hear this and more, more people will get to understand especially what the parent goes through. Um, And come up with ideas or ways that we can assist and that we can, you know, push even our own government to create more resources for children and adults, because we have adults who have never been diagnosed and who are, you know, just going about their lives. Others are in the streets because, you know, they've just given up with the frustration of what you said, being bullied, being treated differently. They can't express themselves. And you know, autism is one of those illnesses or one of those conditions where uh, it's a spectrum. It's not just one, one explanation for all people who have autism. Um, it's a lot of things. Uh, uh, this one could have this, this one could have that. This one may have speech, but it's limited. This one may have that, but it's not. You know, there's, there's just so much. Uh, Miss Elizabeth, I know you want to weigh in. Please go right ahead.
2: I, I agree with what Miss Emily has, um, has just stated, especially that uh, most of the uh, government schools are not able to, to offer education to children on the spectrum. Um, I'll give an example from my school where we are handling uh, children with uh, uh, autism. We had uh, five children who wrote grade seven exams and um, they got five uh, five 595, others got 550. But when it comes to going to secondary, which is grade eight, believe me, there's no school which they can go to. No one knows how to handle them. So you, we, we can imagine the gap. Which is there? Uh, we we have Munali uh, Secondary School can only handle the VI, which is visually impaired and um, hearing impaired. Uh, Saint Mulumba in Choma, which is a boarding school, can only handle visually impaired and hearing impaired. I literally had to visit the school. They said children who are autistic, they are difficult to handle. They can't be handled. But it's it's on it's how we we learn. Uh, Uh, how to treat them. Uh, It's how we learn how to enter into their world before we introduce what we want them to do. We need to understand how their brain works. We need to understand how their formation is. But society wants the uh, children on the spectrum or individuals on the spectrum to adapt into the society which we are in, the so-called normal, and which is quite very difficult for them because their thinking, their intellect is really different from how we we view things. And this also has has made others who can even excel academically, since it's being a spectrum, others, uh, they'll they'll learn through the pressure they'll go through, but even when they go to university, they have challenges. Um, They'll fail, even the exam which they are supposed to pass because maybe an exam has been being prepared At a time when their brain is not thinking, they can't comprehend, they can't process, and they are overwhelmed with too much noise in the lecture room. They can't really just handle that. And then they are with a lecturer who doesn't know what autism is. Because believe me, there are some doctors who hear about autism and they don't know what really it is. I've worked with children or individuals on the spectrum for the past 12 years. It has been my strength in in terms of special needs on how to handle children with uh, autism and ADHD. Uh, It has been discovered that uh, even doctors, other teachers, even teachers who are trained as special needs teachers, we can't handle a child who is on the spectrum because we don't know how their brain function. We don't know how, um, how they receive other sensories. Outside sensory, how it affects their processing, what makes them to be to have repetitive behaviors. We need to understand all those things. What makes them to start tapping wherever they are? They are tapping themselves. They'll be wiggling. They'll be swinging themselves. Why, why, why is this child doing these? Those are the things we need to work on. And then Miss um, Florence also mentioned about awareness in urban areas and not in the rural which is very true. An autistic child in a rural is someone who who is cheap wage. Those are the terms which they are given because they can't understand them. Uh, even the things they'll do, they'll be very weird. you are, are sending them to say, do this. They'll say, why should I do that instead of first doing this? Because their mind is telling them to say, this is more important than this. Let me do what I want to do first, and then I'll do what you want me to do. They have that ego. It is in them. And As specialists, we need to understand their ego. They also have the ID, which tells them to say, what I want first is more important than what mommy wants or what the teacher wants. But here is the teacher who will say, no, Elizabeth, until you do this, that's when you're going to do this. Then there'll be commotion and the the child won't do anything. So there's a lot of of, uh, awareness needed both to parents, um, to the community, to to teachers, as teachers who are dealing with children on the spectrum, we need to have programs like teachers training teachers, learning never ends. So if we can have uh, programs like teachers training teachers, that will be very helpful. Another cardinal point is when Miss Emily had a child, the doctors never told her to say, these are the red flags. I have a child who was born premature, but I knew the red flags and i've started interventions i started interventions when the child was just a day old because i knew the impact of lack of oxygen when the child is born i knew the impact of steroids injections they were giving me i told the doctors to say what you are doing the impact on the child will be this and this child is going to born at seven months the impact will be this my child is going to lack oxygen will go to d block the impact will be this because I'm knowledgeable enough, I have the information, but what about the parent who doesn't have any information? So if interventions can be started earlier as when the child is a day old, we can prevent uh, cases where a child doesn't have social skills, cases of tantrums, cases of speech delay. They can all be uh, avoided because the stimulation will start as early as possible.
0: Wow. I, You know, I am hopeful that this podcast is going to be heard by people who can help us with these interventions because they are important. They are necessary. We have parents like Miss Emily who are doing the best that they know with what they have and they deserve the support, especially from our government, from organizations that are already on the ground Even from us, everyday people, just understanding and also being less stigmatized, having more information. You know, these days, there's no excuse for a person not to have information. We all have smartphones that go on Google. We can type in the word and find out more information. So we are about to wrap up. And there was one question that I really wanted to ask all of you ladies. And that is one far fetched wish that you would make for these children, who children and adults, people in general, who have special needs that in a perfect world, they would have this. It doesn't to be it doesn't have to be everything but just one thing that is just a constant thing in your mind to say oh if only they had this if only they had just this thing what is it and also one basic need that you know it it is actually unacceptable that they don't have that so two answers from everyone one fast fetched We don't know if it will ever happen, but we are crossing our fingers because we are hoping and we are trusting that this podcast will be listened to and heard by people who can make things move. And then just one basic one. I'm going to start with you, Miss Florence. I think
1: we've had a very good conversation. Um, Thank you to Elizabeth for the insights and to Emily. Um, Hats off. Uh, You are a good mom. Uh, You are doing your best. It's not easy for parents who uh, find themselves in these situations. Um, My far-fetched vision, my dream as a generational thinker is that 30 years from now um, our hospitals, our schools, our communities, our NGOs should have the uh, agenda of exception or children or whatever we call them, whatever is politically correct, uh, differentially abled, whatever we call these people um, who are, you know, part of us as a community. Um, I'm glad that you also include adults who have some of these challenges. Um aging people who find themselves um Grappling with, um, for example, Alzheimer's and all these things. 30 years from now, let's have everybody aware. So awareness, awareness, awareness and sensitization. Let's go on radio. Let's go to the schools. Let's go to the communities. Let's speak to parents. Wherever we are, let's have this topic as an agenda. Let's have these conversations. The short-term one. What I would like to see is for parents like Emily to have a bit of time on their hands. Okay, so I'm thinking about, I'm working on a space, a place where children can be dropped off by their parents as they go and do other things, just to go and relax, maybe go and do shopping and leave their child with me for one hour. So those are the things that I'm really thinking about and working on. Thank you.
0: Selfless, Miss Florence. Please, 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 please. Miss Emily, one far-fetched dream and one basic that should be happening right now. Please go ahead. One
3: far-fetched dream is um to live in a world like uh, Miss Florence had said that is very accepting. I think acceptance. Where people are educated on this from childhood so that they know how to handle uh, uh, our friends who are different. You know, I, I, I know it's not far fetched, but if we can get as much awareness as possible out there, um, I would also love to have time to myself sometimes, like she said. <laughs> but yeah that if we could spread awareness and if it can become a cause the way it is in other parts of the world it would be amazing and then one thing that i know is not far-fetched but we really need is that if free education can extend to a person that is considered normal uh in quotes Free education should also extend to people with uh, certain disabilities. It should not be expensive uh, because these these children do not choose to be the way they are. And uh, people who handle them and people who are trained to handle them should get paid more. I think (laughs) they should be the best paid teachers on the planet. I think (laughs) that's that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: I like the payment. (laughs) (laughs) but in all honesty in all honesty it's actually unacceptable that the free education doesn't cover them that is just unacceptable that is just the basic need everybody deserves has the right to education miss elizabeth last but definitely not least far-fetched and basic
2: I think one of the one of my dreams is I look forward to a time when um, especially children with children on the spectrum or autistic is it's an intellectual disability which someone cannot see on the face. But uh, I look forward to a time where they can be considered in terms of let them learn according to the way they want their education to be. Uh, They are very good at critical thinking. Let them not do history. Let them not be exposed to RAE. What are they going to do with it? Let's channel the education according to their uh, abilities and the potentials. Because if they are good in IT, let's channel them to IT. Let them become um, technologists. Let them start thinking of making something. Let them become engineers because that's their strength. Why should I make them start learning about the Shakazulu? They are not going to understand. It's too abstract for them, you know? So I look forward to our curriculum to, to be tailored in a way that will to suit uh, children who are, who are disadvantaged in terms of um, uh, because they are on the spectrum. In Europe, this, these individuals are being used so well. Right? Even the lights I'm using now, it was made by an autistic person. If it was not identified, we're not going to have the bow because Isaac Newton was autistic and he, he had a super brain and we have such here. So those are my future dreams. If really people on the technical part where they are doing on the curriculum, consider our intellect, uh, our children to be in those areas. Well, it's one of the basic need, it's my appeal to all the parents that uh, whether if your child is uh, has a special need or not, Value your child, let them go to school. Don't keep them at home. Um, it doesn't mean if a child has a special need, then you don't have to waste money on them. Actually, they are, they're more precious because they are the most vulnerable. They are the most um, uh, uh, children who are, who are not being looked after well. So it is one of the needs, which is really a need to, to be looked into both by the community As parents, teachers, we really need to take good care of these children.
0: Ladies, I couldn't have said it any more better than you did. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your input. And thank you, Gale Thank you so much for coming in, having this conversation. I trust it's going to land on the ears that need to hear it especially removing the stigma, especially creating awareness and getting those basic needs in place. It's about time that our country, Zambia, our continent, Africa, just accept and we move on. We need to stop having this conversation in a sense of what do we do but start saying they are part of us and really practicing that they are part of us because they are. They are brothers, they are sisters, they are children. Thank you for listening to The Educated Africana. I'm bye. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today what are you going to do about what you just heard? Tell us all about it on social media. Tag at or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at africanawoman or hashtag educatedafricana. Catch you next week.